Hey, uh, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Halal Cartels. It's been a minute, Samir, uh, since we've actually been on a screen together and connected. So uh, happy, happy holidays to the uh, to the half of your family that celebrates this pagan feast. <laughs> Thanks, man. Happy holidays to yeah. you too, man. Uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we, I had a secular uh, Christmas uh, festive time here in New York City, and. I dude, I am cursed. Uh, it's it's constantly there are storm clouds around my head when it comes to Christmas. Uh, tell you know, me why. Uh, it's it's never been a good holiday for me. Traditionally, I get sick every Christmas season, and part of it I think is the rush to um to to finish up all the loose ends before we get to go on break. Like the entire time that I was teaching, we have to finish grading papers. We have to make sure that all the final projects are in. Uh, and, 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 you know, everyone's checked out as well. So the kids are acting the worst right before and, uh, they're, and they're, and everyone's sick. So like you're getting sick while you're making plans to travel while you're rushing to finish everything. And then when you finally land and start hanging out with your family, which is invariably stressful because now there's the cognitive dissonance of who you are as an, as a human now, as an autonomous being and the person that you have to become to reintegrate into this organism, right? You, you stop being an individual, and now you're like another cell in the blob that is the Pacheco family, or that is the Nassim family, or whoever you are, listener. Re- you know reinstitutionalization, bro. That's what it's called. Yeah, reinstitutionalization. It? Yeah, it's it's like a it's a bizarre thing where you go back. It's in a lot of people had to do this in COVID, but. They went home to generational living and they had to like become that cog in the machine that they were. And they're being reinstitutionalized. Yeah. Uh, but like, like familial, Elliot familial <laughs> reinstitutionalism. And not like you're getting thrown back in jail. <laughs> That's yeah, savage. Yeah. Well, you know what? I uh family is is the first uh cell. You know, it's it's the building block of the oppressive system that we have today. You know, family values, it, that that's that's the core. That's the nucleus. I mean, and obviously family can also be a liberatory institution and organization. But, you know, it, it, it is where tradition comes from. It is where all of our original wounds and pathologies also start. You know, it is in your relationship with your mothers and fathers, my Freudian friends out there. And you you go back home and you regress. You become yeah. the person that you were when you left. Yes. You become the fourteen year old. Yes. You become the seventeen year old. Yeah. You know your older siblings are there, and now you regress into the the power family dynamics. Pl- what? Uh, family dynamic, bro. Like you're just like yeah. I mean, the paradigm shift that happened when I left <laughs> just got rewound. It's like eight yeah. X rewound. On a movie, doesn't, on a DVD, doesn't matter how many gray hairs you have. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many um, how many teardrop tattoos you have <laughs> from the bo- uh, from the bodies you've collected yeah. on your sojourns away from home. When you come back home, dude, you're no longer a shot caller. You're you're uh, mama's little baby boy again. But l- that that wasn't what happened to me this time. I I cut out the nonsense. I didn't go back um, to a, a family dinner for Christmas, but. It is a cursed holiday. Like I got to tell you, um, I uh, right before 
we 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 started this New York City had a wave of COVID cases. Big like, time. I, every time I scrolled through Instagram, <laughs> literally, I'd say nine, 95% of the people I know who are comedians were posting My man, it was like a fucking results. live heat map on Instagram stories. <laughs> I was going on there and just going like, holy shit, I literally should just start putting notches into like, just like literally counting this shit because it was like a counter, a live counter of people I knew with COVID. And I was like, Holy shit, when was the last time I saw this person? I know, dude. I dude, was like, damn, Omicron like, is spitting. Yeah. Omicron's got bars. It's like World like War Z. Every day. Omicron <laughs> is World War Z vibes, but it's on like a mild cold, I heard. Dude, it is like, uh, you know, in Saving Private Ryan, when they storm the beaches of Normandy and the entire and just like an entire group of GIs get wrecked <laughs> like the second that the gate opens yeah that was like entire uh open mics and entire booked shows <laughs> i'm dead <laughs> we're like an entire the first line murked just getting yeah. wiped out it's just them making it to the barbed wire getting like pieced out by like <laughs> artillery dude that exactly what you're saying yeah so for listeners out there you have to hear this this is so crazy <laughs> um this has happened twice now the first time this happened was right before the ridge pandemic right it was like march 11th or something 2020 um i believe or like yeah yeah it was like march right it was absolutely so it's march yeah. like, uh, march 11th there's a wednesday or something and i'm at a comedy show i was at wilfred padua and then comedy show shout out to wilfred and uh i'm there and we watched the tv after the show ends and the news is on and they're just like they are canceling nba they're canceling like all these like games and um the city of new york might be shut down as soon as tomorrow and i just go that's crazy bro that's crazy. And then the next time this happened was at Funhouse. We get there and everybody is calling in sick with COVID. And I'm like, you yeah, are 50% of our lineup yeah. uh, called in sick. Yeah. And then, and I was calling in second stringers to be like, hey, you guys want to come out and do a spot? And they're like, nah, my, my roommate is in the other room coughing with the sore throat. Stop right now. it. You were calling in second. No, Gabe was actually was like, dude, are we trying to fucking do this? Are we trying to be like grind boys? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, dude, don't be like a weird, horny, like grinder right now. Do you want to be like known as a grinder? I was like, no. And he was like, yeah, well, 50% of our lineup has COVID right now. Are you trying to do this show? I was like, no, you're right. This is madness. And I don't want to be seen as like a horny boy. You know, who's like, I will do a show in the bathroom of the MTA. <laughs> <laughs> is, this right? the, like, is this the outbreak monkey lab? Yeah. I'm like, yo. Let's get one more set in. So Gabe yeah, actually, no, I was calling, Gabe was saying. I was, I was calling like, people earlier in the day. Yeah, I he wasn't was. calling them from Funhouse. Yeah. Like, yeah. Word. By oh, the time we got oh, to Funhouse, I was like, yeah. oh, no. Like, yeah. The angel of death is circling over our heads with a <laughs> yeah, scythe right now. Yeah. I have like a paint bucket of like lamb's blood and I'm like, should I rub this on the door? You're like, dude, rub it on the door, you know? Dude, they're coming. Yeah, hell yeah. They're Ru coming. Dude, rub it on all of our KN95 masks. Dude, no lie. Like right before the show, it was like that song, The Rooster from Alice in Chains. <laughs> 
and like I was like heading there. We met up. It was on some like t- the last episode of The Sopranos vibes. Like you came and sat in the booth with me, and you were like, "Yo, when Meadow gets here and the door jingles, we're getting iced." So the long and the short of it is, yeah, be like careful because COVID nineteen is gonna walk in with a members only jacket. <laughs> So Gibbs like, yo, are you trying to do this show right now and be a grind boy? I was like, never. I won't do it. I will not be known as like the super spreader event. Whatever, right? So anyways, we call the show. And then, not kidding you, like 40 people roll up to see the show specifically and are calling us out outside. They're like, yo, you're here. Why are you not doing the show? And we're like, we were literally leaving at this moment. <laughs> And 40 fucking people show up and they want to see the show. But anyways. Yeah, they, so, I mean, they were horny to see it. But this yeah. this is let it be known that don't show up 30 minutes late fashionably to a show yeah. New York style. Because Funhouse, we start right on time. And the thing is, though, <laughs> we w- couldn't back down now. Like, I literally gave back all the drink tickets to the bar. I was like, listen, we're going to do the right thing here. This is a mess. And like 40 people show up. They're like disappointed. And then they're just outside, like, why aren't you guys just put on the show? We're all here. Like, yo, you showed up late. The show is not happening now. But anyways, <laughs> then the next day, the number went up exponentially. And like 79% of people I know were like, I have COVID. I have COVID. It was like a fucking, it was literally like the movie Outbreak. So I'm so glad that we didn't contribute to that. Yeah. And it Literally. was all people like gleefully happy go lucky comics being like, hey man, just doing one more spot, getting one more spot yeah. in, last spot of the year. And then the next day being like, hey, uh, if you if I was there with you, sorry. Yeah. Like Matt, just real and, and I don't want to blame any specific person, but it's like, yeah, come on, man. We already saw this happen March like twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Like you, you you know, uh once bitten twice shy like have none of you listened to great white before yeah get out of here and those guys also had the horniest last show it (laughs) 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 oh my god (laughs) uh yeah yeah so well making connections making connections (laughs) yeah so um Anyway, I didn't leave town after that. I stayed in New York, and uh, I did not. Dude, I got everything but COVID over thanks over Christmas. All right, like yeah. on Christmas Eve, um, this happened. Literally, I was telling um, my host, right, my lover. I was telling her like, "Hey, uh, every every Christmas, I have a near death experience." Like when I was fourteen, um, on Christmas Day, I my parents woke me up. And my, I remember the present I got. It was a disc man, right? So I got this disc man. I got a Breeders CD. I got a Beck. Yeah, uh, boy. His, fir- his first album. Yeah, right. I'm a loser, um, baby. So why don't you? Kill yeah, me? that that was on there exactly. Yeah, so I got, I got I got these two uh, uh, CDs. My parents wake me up and they're like, "Hey, Gabe, wake up. We're gonna go to uh, South Philly today." And I was like, "Why are we going to Philly on uh, Christmas Day? This is well, Smithful." So we go up there, we hang out with this like nice Italian family and uh, wonderful people. And I, I don't, I, I'm almost out of there without any bad luck. And then right as we're leaving the house to drive back to DC, the old Italian grandma, all dressed in black, hands offers me this platter of like little cookies the size of nickels and they all look like little butter cookies. She doesn't speak any English. 
I take one of those cookies, right? Looks like a butter cookie. Pop it in my mouth. Unbeknownst to me, walnut flour. Dude, within 15 minutes, my I got like a pumpkin head face, right? Uh, it looks like half of my face is melting. I look like a melted wax chupacabra. Like, I don't look like oh, Gabe anymore. Oh, no, you know? no. Dude, I look like Chunk from Goonies. Oh, my and, um, God. I, my face is melting, and they take me to, like, St. Catherine's Hospital, like, two blocks away. And my grandma's there. Everybody's there. My brother, sister, my whole family. And, like, we, they're tired because we just finished socializing all day. So we get to this hospital, and it's a skeleton staff because it's Christmas Day. Of course. In, like, a Catholic neighborhood. They look at me. They, they shoot me up with some uh, epinephrine. And then uh, I hear them whispering, he's still swelling. It's not working. We're going to have to intubate him. They whisper this. Then they come back to me. The doctor says some something in my ear, like nonchalant, not funny, stabs me with like another a pen, like some drugs, and I start laughing maniacally at whatever nonsense he said. And then I can feel I start falling back into the bed and my head hits the pillow and then my soul continues to fall backwards. And I wake up three days later. So, and I legitimately ruined christmas yeah. like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like my whole family had to stay in like a like a a, a a holiday inn down the street from the hospital and wait for me to wake up you survived right? full? that's amazing <laughs> dude i survived and then after that for like a year and a half i feared nothing because i'd already made out with death that is fucking insane okay so what you're telling me right now is that you had a literal near-death experience and you survived? That's right. And, and did you and get like what? red pilled in the in the like fog? Oh well, so were you like, know, wait a minute, <laughs> this is all bullshit, son? <laughs> You've had sleep paralysis before, I'm sure. Yeah, and a lot of people that have um, near-death experiences or, or have uh, surgeries where they go under, like um, brain surgery or heart surgery, they wake up and their personalities are affected long term. And either it can be seen as sort of a psychological break where maybe um, they have a new perspective on life and so they're, they're going to act differently. Another way to look at it is that like your brain chemistry changes <laughs> because you're, you're like altered chemically by being dead. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what it is, but what I do know is that uh, it was not pleasant because uh, I was uh, under anesthesia that gave me sleep paralysis. So I was awake for like a full day, but frozen and paralyzed with like tubes. Buried, but breathing. Buried, but breathing. So uh, terrifying. Dude, this is terrifying. That's my nightmare, what you just said. Yeah, this was a black, I was a very black-pilled Gabe for about a year and a half after that. And then I've, you know, if you live long enough and and you continue on a a spiritual journey, you, you keep changing. But I definitely was uh, not having it for a long time and and uh, willing to take uh, much bigger risks in my personal life. And homework did not seem uh, like a worthwhile, like a worthwhile waste of time. Once once you feel like you've seen death and death is a giant matriarch spider out of aliens. (laughs) Yeah. So. uh, So anyway, that is the archetypal that that's the that is like the origin story of like my bad luck at christmas this christmas uh we it was a no fuss no muss ordering some high end dishes from whole foods right but there were a couple of vegans that came to the uh, gathering 
and I ended up on Christmas Eve eating this bullshit kale salad with like cashew drizzlings in it. And I had two bites of it just to be polite, right? And oh my God, immediately my uh, lips start getting like gigantic and my EpiPens at home. So I took an Uber back to my apartment, a Lyft, not an Uber. I took a a Lyft and then uh, I didn't want to ruin Christmas, right? So I was like, nah, I'm going to go by myself. I got this. And I went home and like took off my pants and just shot myself in the leg with my EpiPen, like Anton Chigura in No Country for Old Men when he's like performing surgery on himself. And, uh, you know, people, they're texting. They're like, are you okay, man? We love you. Like, come back. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I just, I can't, um, let me just deal with this. And so I spent uh, about three hours, like, uh, you know, monitoring uh, my health, (laughs) just chewing on prednisone and uh, Benadryl. And I had my second EpiPen in case the first one, in case I had like a rebound and I was ready to go to the hospital, but I wasn't like planning to go to the hospital off the first shot in the middle of a COVID spike. You know, for listeners out there, if you do have like an allergic reaction, obviously go to the hospital. But I think these were extenuating circumstances. You know, I'm not trying to go to Woodhall right now (laughs) with like a bunch of children on ventilators. Wait, so you had the second one on deck. Yeah, bro. You got to always have, you got to have a round in the chamber. You know what I mean? You got to have a full clip. So, okay. that. So then uh, I survived that wake up the next day, start eating cheap Chinese food on Christmas Day, like a heathen, enjoying my life. And what happens next? Dude, food poisoning. (laughs) I'm lost right now. So day two, right? I'm like, man, food poisoning on Christmas Day, wake up the next day, and uh, I feel high. Like I'm I'm hallucinating. Uh, I'm like expelling fluids from both ends. And... And I'm swaddled in five blankets. My lover's like, yo, are you, like, it's not cold in here. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, the the radiator's at at 80. (laughs) I'm I'm in five blankets chattering, right? And the, (laughs) so that, so so I got literally everything but COVID over Christmas. You get toxic food poisoning, though, because that's what happens. If you have food poisoning, you feel like you're in like an ice box and you're like sweating profusely. Yo, it's like the the Grinch fisted himself and then made me a tossed salad. <laughs> what did the hell did you eat though that did it? It was uh it was a uh, ginger chicken from Mr. Uh, Wontons. Mr. Wontons is uh, fucking officially on the shit list. Yeah, man. I should literally. Known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was the like... bullet. <laughs> <laughs> the bulletproof Chinese place on the street for me, like people fuck with it heavily and stuff, and I've never gotten like physically ill from it. But it's really the most demented place, and like there's a whole culture of even like having to wait. So they don't do delivery, so you have to pick it up. And like when you wait there, it's just like very much like society is up in that bitch. And um, there's just, like, bullet holes and stuff and, like, whatever kind of vibes. And you're like, all right. And then they, like, make you just wait there. And, um, yeah, it's just people arguing and stuff and, like, being very scary. So there's, like, a lot of tension around the food. It's the opposite of a Kobe beef experience. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, like, people who are, like, mad, you know, because, like, the restaurant themselves like curate an environment of like mad kind of 
mm-hmm. where they're it's like, like do you yeah, want to like rally we, you we, up. we cook this food in a uh, mma octagon yeah <laughs> <laughs> bro i'm dead <laughs> yeah i can't believe it though seriously you're the one guy i know who hasn't had covid yet you're like children of men vibes like we're all about to die and then yeah. like it'll be like you in like a military compound and they're like my man it'll be like it'll be like um a hollywood comedy movie where like you made it to the end of like earth because like you just didn't get covid you know everyone else is gone and it's like a handful of people at this military complex and you're like rolling and they're like my man you look like jeff goldblum <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if the, the I feel like the movie would have a like a terrible twist ending where they just hook me up oh, to yeah. a dialysis machine and it it becomes my <laughs> sleep paralysis nightmare from fourteen all over again, where they just like intubate me and suck the blood out of me until I'm. Do done. you have sleep paralysis though? Uh, I haven't had it for a while, yeah. but I would but get it a lot it. in uh, high school, especially after this. What a fucking nightmare that shit is, bro. I hate to talk about it, like I said, because it's like C-man, you know, C-A-N-D-Y, like, yeah, but um, it's a horrible thing. I have it. I have oh, had. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. tussled with the demon, the chupacabra, if you will. Sure, sure. So sometimes you feel like you're getting molested by little gray men with red eyes. Or like, you know, the whole, like, um, just choked up by like. Uh, mm-hmm. By like a big feral cat sitting on your chest. Big dumb. Yeah. So while I was having my fever dreams, I ended up um, binging Leonardo DiCaprio movies. That's what got me through my food poisoning. And uh, we started off the evening with the uh, 2000 banger, The Beach. Bro. Yes. It was like how, how Mallorca fell. <laughs> right because like people watch the beach and they're like all right i can't go to thailand dude go- yes the beach so in thailand that beach you can no longer go to because of the movie the beach wow so you're telling me th- th- the same thing happens with like um anthony bourdain right when he decides to talk about a restaurant uh that restaurant is then ruined for all the locals because uh, once it's on TV, people from all over the world flock to go get their paninis from that one spot in Rome. Bro, I went to Rome and I tried to like eat at the places he suggested too. Actually, I, I, dude, Rome is a food experience. By the way, goddamn it, absolutely unbelievable. Florence, though, Italy tops Rome any day in this world. But is but their like, pizza as good as Ray's famous pizza? Son, it's mentally insane. It's like there's a place in Florence where they l- make your pizza as you watch. You know, it's called Gusta Pizza. It's something else, Gabe. But there's a place in Florence, Italy called, uh, it's called um, Osteria Cingale Bianco. And uh-huh. Cingale Blanco. Is- Cingale Bianco. Okay, okay. I thought it was like so a it's restaurant like a the whitey. Wild boar. A white wild boar or something. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bro, this place of food is so absolutely magnifico. I'm telling you. And yo, know, Dan Sucky is listening to this, I guarantee you. But he <laughs> went there. I I ate there it, like years ago. I got engaged that night in Florence, Italy. I ate at Chingali Bianco beforehand. My man, it was so ill. It's the best food. And so if anyone goes there, but dude, rum, the food in rum, so great, Gabe. I'm telling you. Well, I don't even know why we're even going on this. Oh, Anthony Bourdain. And yeah. you were saying, yeah. Well, we were talking about uh, the beach and how like even the yeah. set of that movie is now ruined because it was in the movie. So exactly. Simply by, by speaking about something, sometimes you kill the magic, right? Like... Uh, <laughs> Like they, like you can't you can't capture once you put the butterfly in a jar it gets uh it gets uh, destroyed yeah it gets destroyed so the beach is kind of about that right about this uh, search for something pure and something authentic and then um, what's ironic is that the search for that kills it and uh, I was watching it and looking thinking back to like how life was so different even in two thousand because the movie came out right before nine eleven so. And oh, also right, right right before cell phones, really, because they ha- they all were using like AOL. They all had to go to uh, chat uh, internet cafes. So when you were backpacking at that time or traveling, whatever, you're out of pocket. You know, there's no oh, yeah. GPS. There's no figuring out where people are. Um, and so the character that Leo plays, he really is out on his own, and all of the information he's getting is secondhand from other backpackers and travelers you know it's it's not like you can just look up uh where's the where's the closest mcdonald's where's the footlocker to get new shoes yeah where's you the, had to like know you, you had, had to, to find someone who knew you had to follow the trail so the movie feels like it's um it, it comes from a time where we were a little bit more anxious about globalization and we weren't 100 percent like globally integrated yet into like one monoculture so this was like the beginning of that uh, monoculture. You know, he he's still this uh, ugly American searching for something that is unique and exotic. Whereas today, there like literally is nothing unique and exotic because Vice holy Mag- shit, man! I've never really never even thought about it like that. You know, Vice Magazine is ruined, like n- not in and of itself, but like all the things that are seem unique are now just like uh, uh, stock footage in in car commercials. You know, we've we've done it all. We've seen it all. Someone's already yelped it. Somebody's already reviewed it. And no matter where you go, you put a pin there. So it's not like you've even gone someplace that you can't, that other people can't tangibly um, get to. Whereas in the past, you could say, dude, I, I went to this park and, like, I don't even know where it is. It's, like, crazy. Like, I just stumbled into it in the city. Like, we don't get lost that way anymore. But he did. <clears throat> An amazing way to look at things because that's when that movie came out you know it was like all before this mobile internet and all this other like uh world of resources when you travel yeah yeah and it's uh it's also like it's a bleak film (laughs) it really is it's it's one of the dopest things is when he fights the shark when he kills the shark (laughs) and you're like holy shit bro like you're like a shark killing beast yeah yeah it's uh it's a mess. The movie's a mess. Uh, I love it. I love Danny Boyle, the director, because he... Oh, he's great. 
he shoot he shoots for like you know he swings for the fences and he's got a lot of pretty images in his films and like if you don't know who he is he also did Twenty Eight Days Later and uh, Sunshine S- Slumdog exactly so he's got Slummy. this sl- he oh he's got this slummy style baby and yeah. it's it's pretty delicious but um this film why I say it's bleak is like it presents this this utopia you know right. the, the beach feels like it could be a utopia but but what you realize is that it's another form of colonialism right it's just uh white people trying to escape from uh commerce from like ugly capitalism and so they form a commune on this island but the commune is not really self-sufficient like they still need to go back to the mainland of Thailand to get all of the creature comforts that they want. And they have given up morality because they haven't factored into their life on the island the idea of actually caring for others. So like when somebody gets uh, sick, right, they get uh, injured by the shark, there's no recourse for that. They just have to leave that person out to die. <laughs> they go like, oh, man, that sucks. Their medical system is the, just going, oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brah. Sucks to be you, brah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that and, sucks is the best response. <laughs> why, why I say it's bleak is like the film doesn't end with um, with like a positive, uh, a positive alternative to to what we now live in today like uh, the modern um integration it's that leo sees this glimpse of what could be better and then that thing that could be better is not perfect so he runs back to uh the world of the internet cafe he 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 goes back into the matrix we're, we're left with the idea that there is no possibility for like a collective communal utopia or even a better organization of people around mutual aid um, and the dreams of that, at least framed within the movie, are uh, ultimately selfish in the pursuit of hedonism, portrayed by uh, the leader, Tilda Swanson. Young. Yeah. I'd never seen her yeah. young before. I've only ever known her as like sort of the old alabaster uh, goddess. Very rare. Mm-hmm. You know, you brought up there was Daniel Boyle and God Almighty. I really love that director and i didn't realize that he made that movie you know yeah but it was good for a poke for sure and i really like what you had to say about it as well because to me i just like couldn't get over that shark scene you know (laughs) (laughs) well uh you know the (laughs) the sharks are terrifying in every movie um it's never good to see a shark and what I, I liked about it was that uh, Leo, it's unfortunate that he's framed as the hero. And I, I feel like I saw it when I was like 18, um, younger, when I was younger. And I, and I didn't have any critical distance from Leo. I was like, oh, he's the hero of this. And watching it now, I'm like, fuck that guy. He's like a terrible protagonist. You know, like he has no moral center himself. He's the reason that everything fell apart. Like, yeah, he, he stinks. He stinks. He killed the baby shark, and then the second shark that shows up in the movie is a, a full-grown adult, like the mama shark, basically. So this is like a retelling of Jaws, 
you know, where (laughs) (laughs) it's like Jaws 2 and The Revenge all wrapped up into one movie. And he ruins Paradise because he's the one that uh, draws a map to get other people to come. So by giving a Yelp review, by telling people where he's going, he he, uh, destroys the purity. Yeah, he diluted it with, like, morons. He opened the door to, like, their strappers. So here's the, I guess this is the gem, the jewel for everybody out there. When you get something cool, uh, don't tell anybody about it. Yeah, never. Don't share it. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if it's a small business. Imagine, (laughs) Imagine being like, hey, listen, like, you're great. I know a thousand people who would love this, but. I don't want to ruin it, so I'm not telling people. And they're like, help, I need business. And you're like, D- I don't want to like play this out, so you're Look, really going to have to fight for it. Some people might call this a triangle-shaped scheme, um, <laughs> but I'm going to let you in on, on a secret, and I don't share this secret with a lot of other people. Uh, but for me to give you this secret, you're going to need to give me $1,000 up front. Selling knives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, prepaid Not legal, cool, prepaid legal. Look, we all pool for the exact same lawyer. Okay, a thousand of us pay this lawyer one dollar a day instead of, uh, and now he's on retainer for all of us. So let's okay. say you go, you go to the laundromat and uh, you, you spilled some grape juice on your shirt, right? You spill some grape juice and you go to the laundromat, you go to the dry cleaner, they don't get the grape juice out and you say, I'm very disappointed with this. Uh, this is unacceptable. I'm not going to pay for this. And they say, you have to pay. And you go, I don't think I have to pay. And then you whip out the card with your lawyer's name on it. Okay? They don't know that you only pay that lawyer a dollar a day. That is the benefit of prepaid legal. Brother, I love this idea. This is genius. Yeah. I'm I, shocked This is 100% a real idea, by the way. <laughs> I literally, I'm like, why are you giving this away on this podcast? This should be on Shark Tank. This is a genius idea. You're basically selling like legal insurance. Yeah. <laughs> where you're like, okay, well, guess what? Uh, what if is the s- difference between insurance and what I just said? Like, this is, you know, and also insurance companies don't really want to pay out. So, I mean, we've just incentivized the creation of like an entire class of lawyers who go out and sue small businesses. Yeah. Instead of having a national. Um, sort of uh, a regulatory conversation system about it. It's like yeah. let's just have ramps everywhere. Gonna- <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. Yo, you could get busted and be like, "Oh my god, I had no idea." I'll comply like right now, and it's like too late. So, so everybody, then- uh, the 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 goal of this, the whole point of this, is to go to go to law school. <laughs> Basically, that yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it. That's it. That's the last frontier. That's the last place to mine money. Unless you're making NFTs right now and you're on the ground floor of that. Unless you're a crypto boy. Unless you got money and let's go Brandon crypto coin right now. It's uh, law let's school. Let's go Brandon. Yo, what was that whole... So the let's go Brandon guy? Yeah, he's just like a rapper who catered yes. to NASCAR Trump boys. It's amazing. He's making like money for himself, and he's like a dumb jackass. He's gonna go to Coachella next year, dude. He's gonna be doing uh, tracks with, uh, you know, <laughs> he's he's gonna join the whatever's left of the ASAP crew. Like he's gonna he's down. 
He's down. No. He's making tracks with Azalea Banks, dude. He's. Uh, I watched that early Leo movie, and we, and then now he he dropped another banger this week that you saw. Oh right? my god, yes! Don't look up, baby. Don't look up. Yeah. So, what was your what were your thoughts on this? Uh, First of all, man, so many people were talking shit about it, and they were like, "This is like a Joe Biden like bumper sticker car boy." movie you know where like you put like a joe biden sticker on your like volvo or whatever and um that's like your movie so i was like not really interested and then i was like let me just give this a poke you know it has such a star-studded cast and shit let's see how they stitch this fucker together i watched it i thought it was pretty fun um i mean it's pretty obvious a lot of it like this is what's happening um, but you know, the end all be all is like, they wanted like basic people to watch it and then to make like a connection and be like, wait a minute, I'm dumb as fuck. <laughs> this movie's about me. And so that's what it was for. It wasn't for like the educated crowd to be like, you know, oh, this is revelatory or whatever. So you're saying it was like a it's a it's a middle brow fair. Sure, it's for like America, you know. It's for like popcorn movie people. It's for like the like fast too fast too curious crowd or whatever. Yeah, they love that shit. They like go there. They think like Vin Diesel's good and stuff. <laughs> so like that. so uh, yeah. I mean, I I uh, I think it is. I'm on the fence because I'm like, damn, you know, I like uh, I like uh, movies. I'm a and that's a basic thing to say. I like movies, and <laughs> you more than like movies. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, so you know, I was definitely delirious watching this film, and I thought uh, it's really long for a comedy. You know, I want my comedies to be like an hour and a half, and obviously, exactly, um, there's no like hard and fast rule. But when it felt like, damn, like okay, now another scene now another scene like are we gonna wrap this up like i was just waiting for the comet to destroy the planet and it felt like uh six months felt like years <laughs> you know the amount yes. of uh, activism that they were going through to try to stop this comet from smashing earth and so that's like just it it felt like it dragged a bit you know a little bloated a little baggy a little gassy and i thought this would be an amazing uh, miniseries you know, because miniseries is kind of like just the, the format that, that works better now. We binge things, you know, uh, and it's easier for us to, like, digest things and, you know, hour-long uh, bites, almost like succession. So it was like, damn, if this was, like, um, a little bit longer, I would pay more attention to the, all the side character stories. But the way that it was, you know, I was like, let's get rid of half of, half of these people and just have it be a story of... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio sort of mm, as a, a scientist. Like, it was interesting to me to see a scientist uh, be captured. It's called regulatory capture. This, this, yep. I, have you heard, like, have you heard of this concept before? Regulatory capture? No, sir, no. Okay, well, uh, an example of it would be like the CDC right now. So the CDC goes from, hey, it's 10 days that you should quarantine to five. And right. it feels incredibly, um, obvious that the reason that we're going down to five is because the airline companies 
uh, are saying we need to get people back to work right now. So all of these companies, corporations, have captured the regu- the regulators. Uh, yes. Other more explicit examples of that are with um, pharma and the FDA. So you'll have people that work at the FDA or that they'll be lobbyists for big pharma companies or consultants. And then when a new president comes in, they appoint a new head to the FDA. And that head is a dude from GlaxoSmithKline or a dude from uh, like uh, what, what Pfizer or Moderna. You know, so these guys then become the head of the FDA and they're there. And for then you go, like, everything is chill. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> they're like Oxycontin. I would <laughs> prescribe it for breakfast for a complete breakfast, if you will. And then, yeah. And so then yeah. those same dudes, then they retire and yeah. there is no window. Uh, there's no like limit time limit yeah. uh, for them to have to be out of the industry. They can immediately jump back into being consultants or actually getting jobs on the boards of these companies again. And if you've spent the last four years uh, learning about how to regulate big pharma, and now you go and work for big pharma, you know all of the secrets about how to regulate it. So it's like you learned the immune system. Like It's like you worked for the immune system, and now you're working for the virus. It's amazing, and that's regulatory capture. When like a regulatory institution is is taken over by the people that are supposed to be, it's supposed to watch out for, and uh, that to me was like kind of the best part of Don't Look Up was this. You see at the beginning, uh, DiCaprio's character feels like an earnest scientist, but he is corrupted by celebrity and by money and by power, and by sex, right? So, like, every human can be uh, flattered into thinking that they can work within the system, right? He, he's seduced to become the face. And I don't, you know, uh, some people could say that on both the left and the right about, you know, the czar of our current pandemic, right? That we have one medical advisor that is seen as the expert right now. New Fawusi? <laughs> Yeah, our boy, our boy Fauci, and like, who knows uh, what, um, uh, how, what his incentives are to say what he says. How much has he been corrupted by simply being in the proximity of power and being given so much um, authority? And what companies uh, is he in the pocket of? And then we see that the second time we see that uh, regulatory capture is with sort of how we in the United States have privatized our, our government, um, so many different aspects of it. And in the movie, NASA is basically uh, privatized and becomes sort of just outsources uh, to bash. Th- those were such important aspects of the conversation that that in itself felt like an, almost enough for me to make a good movie about. The reason that don't look up, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's good art in that I continue to think about it. But I did not have a pleasant experience watching it because I was like, this feels a little convoluted, a little boring, a little mm, redundant, and a little, it's like too much. It's just too much all at once. This has been great, Gabe, honestly. You're the one dude I know that hasn't gotten a germ 
You are the reverse Big L. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm Bruce Willis and Unbreakable. How did it happen? You've never gotten sick. I mean, everything else will kill me. A cashew will kill me, but uh, COVID won't get me. Dude, I seriously, it's you're getting everything but. So what's up with you, man? What what? How are you feeling about this uh, this brave new world that we're entering? Are we going to go back into into a shutdown? Are we going back to work? Uh, are you ready to just um, grin and bear it? And uh, do do you feel taken care of by our leaders? <laughs> no, I never feel taken care of by them, and I am ready to fight it out. Um, I think I think it's going to get a little wild. For a bit, but um, I think we're going to be good. We're going to be okay. And, Do you think uh, they're doing a good job? Are you ready not for a, uh, not at Biden 2020 whatever? <laughs> what is it? 24? 23? Yeah, 24, right? Sure. Um, no, that's not going to happen. I don't think they're going to run again, but um, I think we're going to have Matt Gates and... Terry Balea, Hulk Hogan as vice president. Um, no, I just don't even know what will happen, Gabe. But I will say this: self-preservation, man. We're gonna, no matter what, we're gonna be doing the damn thing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know what? I say that to every country out there that doesn't want to take uh, ships with infected uh, Carnival cruise passengers. If uh, you don't <laughs> want to let them enter your ports, I'm 100% on your side if some speedboats with dynamite end up crashing into those boats. No oh, my deal. God, Gabe, you're amazing. Is that <laughs> happening right now? They're like carnival cruises. Like- but these carnival cruises are just cu- like filled with these uh, <clears throat> plague monkeys that are just coughing COVID on each other after going to the midnight buffets. And they're not being uh, welcomed into ports of entry around the country, around the world. And uh, Mexico is finally taking a couple of these American cruise lines. And I'm like, no, don't take them. Like, leave yeah, these never. people out at sea. Everybody who was on the cruise ship in 2021, like, you saw the writing on the wall already. Like, what made you think that things were different? Uh, they should have all signed a waiver that says, Yeah, that like, was like, you must live at sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is your new it's home. Like, yeah, it's like, hey, just FYI, you live on this boat now. Mm, shout outs to all of my lib friends, all of my liberal friends who really, um, really pushed us to vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, uh, he's done a great job so far. So thank I'm, you guys. Yeah, we'd love to have you guys as guests on the pod. We'd we'd love to hear your opinions. You're absolutely right. Uh, the private healthcare system that we have today is truly the best and uh, only one. And every other candidate was 100 percent. Uh, a foul-toned misogynist who wasn't going to help us. Joe exactly. is he's the best we could have yeah, got. He's made leaps and bounds um uh strides happen in the healthcare industry to be honest with you. <clears throat> I got to say I can't stand centrist and like I look back now I still remember so many of them and I just can't stand them cuz I'm like you were never right. And you're absolutely not right now. And you were telling me I was like a sick person for riding for Bernie. Yeah, well, you had, you know, you had skin in the game. I was just, uh, I'm just I was still always just a loud mouth that wanted universal health care. But you actually had people uh, like close to you that um, had career aspirations based on Bernie possibly winning. 
Sure. Well, my sister was his uh, campaign manager, digital campaign manager. His first presidential run. My mom was a delegate for Bernie. So, yeah, it changed my whole family politically. They got yeah, involved so, really heavy. So you weren't just a bro. No. Who was who was just out there selfishly. But I am uh, now, guys. I am now. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. I'm like, I turned into a Bernie bro. This is my horror movie. <laughs> my horror movie is like, now I'm a Bernie bro. You're like, you're like, I don't even, I, I stopped even caring about his policies. Now it's all just about. <laughs> Now it's just all just about, about those mitts. <laughs> yeah. I love the mitts, and I'm a bro now. And that's it. <laughs> I'm like, Bernie who? I just am the bro. Well, uh, I feel like I feel like we've done it. I mean, this, is a, this is a chunky episode. Uh, a good post-Christmas Feliz Navidad episode, and uh, we'll do another one um, right after New Year. Hell yeah. And so, dude, this is like the last one of the year, and I'm like so excited. This year has been so great. It's been a great time with you, man. Um, Doing this podcast has been so wonderful, and the audience that we've built has been amazing. I'm really excited about it, and um, really excited to bring this podcast in the new year and to scale. And um, this, yeah, I just can't thank you enough. This has been so much fun. Yeah, well, we're going to keep doing Halal Cartels, and uh, everybody, please uh, leave a review, like us, subscribe, share with a friend. That's the way that we get more ears listening. Uh, you can follow me at Gabe Pack, G-A-B-E-P-A-C, the number one uh, on Instagram. And you can follow me at S-A-M-E-E-R-M-O-N on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, We love you. And now listen to the groovy tunes of Serene Patel leading you out of the episode. Peace.